0: Ephesians chapter 5 and um, we have on your handout we have the four foundations of a lasting healthy biblically founded relationship there's four healthy foundations Uh, one of these days I'm just going to have some of you stand up and just tell me by memory what they are because we went over and over and over them all summer long but I want you to think through those with me And uh, I want to remind you that God created us for relationship. We're supposed to have the ability, everyone here has the ability to have strong relationships, healthy relationships with one another, with your spouse, with your family, with your in-laws, with your boss. We have the ability to have those relationships. We just have to apply the biblical foundations and principles that God's given us to do it. Because when God created you, He created you for fellowship with Him. And by the way, he would be the hardest one to get along with since he's perfect and you're not. Um, It would be very hard to get along with him except that he taught us how to do all that. And he gives us the ability to do it through all these things we studied through the whole summer. And all that's in our um, archives on the uh, website. And we now have podcasts, which my son's going to tell you about in a little while. Um, so you can, you can catch up on some of this relationship stuff if you'd like to hear the, the foundations in the beginning. Of it. Those four foundations are, number one, your personal walk with Christ. If you want to be healthy in relationship to others, you've got to have a good, close connection with God because God's got to be teaching you and guiding you, coaching you and helping you. And you have to be close to God to deal with all the other stuff because the second one is communication. The Bible says, no man can tame his own tongue. And I would like to say that word in the the book of James is not man. It's mankind, meaning all of you women and me. We cannot tame our own tongues. Mankind does not do well taming his tongue. You can't, but God can, um, through the Holy Spirit, guide and control your words. And words are very important in relationships, building communication as a skill that you learn how to do. And we talked a lot about that skill, and I embarrassed myself by trying to play a guitar song. I kind of muddled through for a little bit and got through, and then I showed you a guy that had the skills of a master playing the guitar, and uh, Tommy Emanuel played the same song, really not the same song I played, but it, it was supposed to be the same song I played, and uh, it's okay. I'm good. Yeah, I, I, I'm good. You did fine, but Tommy Emmanuel, Tom Emmanuel, uh played the same song I played, only he did it as a master, and I had to When I played it, some people go, man, you're a great guitar player. And I go, you know what? Thanks for the compliment, but that means you're not a guitar player. (laughs) Because you haven't heard a master. You haven't heard somebody at that level, um, or you wouldn't compliment somebody with me with that high of an accolade. You'd say, hey, you're pretty good at that. You're okay. You need to work a little more, but you're okay. And sometimes as communicators, as adults, we think, well, I'm a good communicator. It's just that my wife doesn't communicate well. (laughs) Okay? That's not true. If you're not, (laughs) communication takes both. And you have to work through the skill of that. You have to figure it all out. And we talked a lot about that in our lessons on that. And there's there's actually two lessons on communication um, that are posted there on our website for you to learn how to practice the skill of communicating. We gave some very practical advice in the second one especially. And the third thing that you have to have for a healthy foundation is integrity. And integrity is let your yes be yes and your no be no. Make your words matter. Make them count And when you say you're going to do something in your relationship with somebody, you honor those words and you do it. And if you fail, you don't make an excuse, you make an apology. That's what integrity looks like. Integrity is that your character is, I mean to keep my word every time. When I fail to keep my word, I apologize rather than excuse myself. A person who constantly says I'm going to do something and then doesn't and makes excuses for themselves, you you guys know that's somebody you cannot eventually trust. You know, well, I'll be there. I'll help you with that. You know, you get somebody to say, hey, I'll come help you, you know, paint your house or fix whatever, and then they never actually get there. And then the next time you do it, they say, no, you're got that? you taking down your fence. Yeah, I'll come help you do that. Then they never actually get there, but then they say, oh, well, I was going to come, but then my, you know, son had a thing, and I had to go do this, and I forgot about that, and I had to. And then you do that four or five times, and when they say, hey, I'm going to come help you, you go, well, (laughs) I'm not counting on you being there because you don't have integrity. Your yes doesn't mean yes. Your no doesn't mean no. And James 5 says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The only way to actually do that, by the way, is to have Jesus helping you grow your integrity. Um, your character has to be developed by him. And then the other thing we talked about is grace. The the final foundation and really the thing that makes every relationship work right <laughs> and well is how Christ relates to us, and it's pure grace. Um, he forgives all our sins all the time. He never holds records of our wrongs some somebody we were talking about this last week i forget who it was some one of you uh, but we were talking that there's no record in heaven of all my failures there's no record jesus doesn't even know when i bring up when i when i fail and feel guilty and ashamed about something think oh man i'm just struggling with this god i know it's like the thousandth time i've asked you to help me this he goes the what time because I don't have a record of all the failures. I don't have a record of all your sins against me. I have one, and that's the one you're in now. If you just confess that, it's, the Bible says it's as far as the east is from the west, and it's totally removed. That our forgiveness is that free through the blood of Christ, through what we took in our communion. Our forgiveness is that free. And you do not have to hold records of wrong against other people because God doesn't hold any record of wrong against you. Grace covers all our sins all the time, and that's what helps us have healthy, healthy, strong relationships. So those are the four foundations we laid. And so in our conclusion to this relationship series, I want to give you some relational responsibilities. And they're very specific to husbands and wives, but they have a broader application, and I'll kind of help you see that in just a minute. But I want you to be in Ephesians chapter 5 with me. And let's just read. Let's just peruse Ephesians 5 for just a minute. The beginning of chapter 5, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now you could just circle that verse, underline it, and stop right there and go, do what? Be imitators of God. Act like God is what he's saying. And walk, how? Verse 2? In love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And then he goes through this list. Do not let it. He has this whole list of sins. It's a dirty dozen, nasty nine, filthy five. We call them in the scriptures a list of sins. Don't let these things happen. Um, don't let your 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 language be filthy. Don't coarse. Don't tell coarse jokes or coarse jesting. Is what it's called in verse four. Um, which is not fitting, but rather, instead of all that, what we did this morning, rather, learn to give thanks. You can replace all those sinful behaviors, immorality, impurity, greed, and all that stuff, and filthy language. and all. You can replace all that with thankfulness, the Bible says. If you'll learn to be thankful and practice thankfulness like we did this morning, it'll replace all that sin. For you know that with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has inherited the kingdom of Christ and God. And then, then he says... Um, I want you to go all the way down to uh, verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. There's lots of evil out there. Now, remember, he started by saying, be imitators of God, walk in love like Christ. Um, So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, And then he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Big problem in Paul's day. Lots of people just just go crazy with the uh, alcohol. For for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. And the word literally means be controlled by the Spirit of God. When that happens, here's what happens. There's a whole bunch of participles here. Verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. Always giving thanks for the things uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, And uh, be subject one to another in uh, fear. I want you to mark verse 21 if you have your physical Bible here, which I highly recommend, by the way. (laughs) Bring your Bibles to church. If you have your Bible here, you can underline verse 21. It says, be subject to one another. Paul's saying all of us are to be subject. And the, the word is the same word we use for submission. Submit to one another. Some translations actually use that. Submit to one another in love. So I'll submit to you and you submit to me. We can get along. We we may not agree. I may not like the same music you like or the same uh, football team you like or the same race car guy you like. I may not like the same anything you like, but in Christ, we can get along because I will submit to you and you will submit to me, and in love, we will act like Christ. Now he shifts to very specific group of people, and he says, verse 22, wives be subject, same word, uh, to your own husbands as to the Lord. I'm going to come back to you all in a minute on that. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ also the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But, the church, it, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present himself to, uh, himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be ho- she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Uh, he who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Now... Um, somebody suggested to finish this series. I was talking to s- several of you, and they said, you know, a lot of what you said you cover in your weddings. And some of you have been to my weddings, and you've heard all this. Some of you have been in the wedding, and I've said directly to you standing right here. And uh, so, but let me just go real quick. When the husband's standing here, I'll give some general responsibilities. i actually list those four things that we talked about as foundations. <coughs> and then I'll look to the husband, I'll say, but God gives you some very specifics, and I want to just list them. then we're going to come back to them. So just, uh, and you can just fill these in on your little handout there. Um, Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And a lot of the weddings I do, um, the groom and I will be standing in the back back here and I'll make sure he has a tissue or if he didn't have a handkerchief, he'll have tissue. And he'll say, is that in case the... And why do I need this? Am I going to cry? And I said, No, I am. <laughs> and uh, and I said, Well, actually, if your bride cries, I'd really like you to hand her this tissue so that I don't have to because it looks better for it, coming from you since you're marrying her it Looks better for you to hand her the tissue or the handkerchief and so so we go through all that but then I tell him I say but I'm serious there's a part of the service that's really hard for me to get through and it's this very phrase we're to love Christ or love our wives as Christ loves the church and when I think about the love that Christ has for the church every time I do that my my throat gets real tight and my eyes get all watery, and so I'm going to come back to that, but it's in Ephesians 5, real clear about that. The second thing I tell the husbands is you're to learn who she is. Love her as Christ loves the church. Secondly, learn who she is. First Peter 3, 7 says we're to live with our wives in an understanding way. I'm going to come back to that. The third one is we're to honor her as a gift from God. The Bible actually says that womankind... Is a gift to mankind. All of you ladies are a gift to us. And uh, mankind was not... Remember, we studied this in the very first one in our relationship series. Um, We studied this very clear. In the garden, when God put perfect man in a perfect garden on a perfect earth, he could not finish the day. He actually said... He'd said every day before that, it is good, and he rested. And then when he put Adam, he, he formed Adam from the dust of the ground, breathed life into him, and put him... Right there in the middle of his beautiful garden that he had made for him. Perfect earth, perfect everything. He put Adam there and he went, Genesis 2.18. It is not good that that man be alone. He is not going to make it by himself. And God had to send a a helper to help him. God actually had to, the Bible says, Genesis 2.22, fashion into a woman the rib of the man so that he would have a helper. And so he would make it because he wasn't going to make it by himself. Ladies, we won't make it by ourselves if you don't help us. We need your help. Amen, Brother Cochran, 60 how many years and, and how many days and hours and minutes? She's got down to a science. But there, we won't make it without a good woman helping us. And the truth is, as as husbands, we're supposed to honor our wives as a gift from God. And that's a very important thing to do. And then uh, number four, the husbands are to lead their wives through... Through our passion for spiritual gifts, we're supposed to lead them um, in our spiritual growth and our pursuits for God's will. Men are supposed to be the spiritual leaders in the home and they're supposed to pursue God and let the family follow the example of that and teach the family and grow the family. Doesn't mean every night you need to have a PowerPoint presentation and a you know a sermon series that you're working through at your house and devotions and all that. It means that you're reading good books, it means that you're hearing good lessons, it means that when you hear something great in Sunday school, As a family, you sit down around the table and you say, Hey, tonight we're going to turn off the TVs and the laptops and the iPads and the cell phones and whatever else we got going. (laughs) We're going to turn all that off for a few minutes and just talk for a minute about what I learned in Sunday school and uh, what I learned last week in church. And and let me hear what you learned in Sunday school, or what you heard, and and where the, the husband actually becomes a leader in the home. And then the fifth one is to live with her until she goes to be with the Lord. The Bible says God hates divorce and he intends for couples that are married to stay married i know people go through divorces i know it's a very hard thing and i've helped a lot of people through it and i understand how that works but it's not god's original design so anybody and you guys know when you come to me for counsel um, i'll make it crystal clear that god's design is not for us to run from relationships that are very messed up but to repair them that's God's design. He is a, a renewer and restorer of all things broken. That's what he does. And so <clears throat> at some point as a, cup, as a Christian, when you're in a mess of a relationship, um, you need, just need to turn to God and pray, God, help me get through this. And, and so the goal of a good relationship is to live together until the Lord comes back and survive that. Um, and then there's also five things that I tell the wives, and we're going to list four of them. And the fifth one's going to look just like that last one, by the way. So you can add it in in a minute. But uh, the wives are to love their husbands with the same unconditional love. Um, the, hu- the wife is supposed to love the husband like Christians, like the church is supposed to love Christ. We're supposed to adore Christ. We're supposed to worship and honor Him in these services. We're supposed to meet together and celebrate who He is. We're supposed to encourage Him with our thankfulness and our praise and our adoration. And wives are supposed to love their husbands in that same way. Um, So there is that mutual, unconditional love that goes there. And then wives are also supposed to lean upon their husbands by obedience and submission. When I taught through this originally when we went through the Genesis series, I told you, ladies, when God said the husband would rule over the wife um, after after the sin in Genesis chapter three, I told you I thought that was God uh, giving you got the girls the hardest job because the guys can 't do it. We are not good at submitting we don't do well with buckling under submission to others anybody, and so God took the the smarter of the two in the garden, Eve and said, I need you to follow Dumbo through life, and as you follow him, you're following me, and I will bless you for following him even when he's stupid. That's really how it works in Genesis chapter 3, and uh, God's helping wives learn. Your submission to me, to your husband, is a submission to God, and uh, it honors God greatly when you do that, and I challenge all the young wives when I'm meeting with them um, that it's going to be some days it's so hard to do that, but you still follow and let God work it out and bless you and help you, and God will work with your husband. If you're submissive, God has to help your husband because you're, you're following God's plan. Number three was to live as his helpmeet, as one suited to meet his needs. <clears throat> Genesis 2, you could add this verse in there if you want to on number three. Um, Genesis 2, um, 18 and 19 is where God says, I will make for Adam a helpmeet. Um, and it's actually, some translations actually say a servant. And there are a lot of women, I've read, I've read stories about women who got very offended. We're not servants in the home. We're not the slave of our husband. That's not the word he used at all. It actually is exactly the opposite. He's saying, I'm going to send Adam somebody who will fix his emptiness. Adam is missing stuff. And a helpmeet is one who, it actually says in Genesis 2.18, Adam and Eve fit together. To, to complete each other so that they're one before God, but they're also one in each other. And the, the Bible says that all of us as men who are not called to be celibate, and there's a handful of them in the world that are called to be celibate, but all men who, who are not okay by ourselves, God will send us a person to help us get through it all. And, and ladies, I'm going to just challenge you this morning. I did this in the original series when we were in Genesis 2 this summer. Ladies, when you're married, there's, there's currents of activity and behavior, but really thought currents deep inside your husband's heart. Deep inside his brain, there are things he's wrestling with, fears and worries and stuff that nobody's ever going to know except God, the Holy Spirit, and you. And your job as the wife is to ask God to help unlock those things so those fears don't cripple him, but they become strengths that that you can help him turn to God with. And you have to spend years learning how to get that unlocked because husbands are excellent about locking it away. It's so scary, we don't want to talk about it. I shared some of those examples back in the day when we studied that. So, But wives are supposed to help their husbands, not just... You know, a lot of the old timers say, well, you know, she's supposed to help me by cleaning and cooking and all that stuff. If that works in your family, that's great. But, you know, if it's, there's mutual submission too that says, hey, it's your turn to cook and your turn to clean. And by the way, here's the, here's how the washer works. Here's the instruction manual. Just put your clothes in, put that stuff in there and punch the button and there it goes. Got kind of deal, you know? There's a mutual submission where we as husbands have to help and carry some load there. But, the help meet person, the help mate that God's called you to be as a wife is actually to fulfill a deeper issue in Adam. Adam wasn't going to struggle in the garden because he didn't know how to cook. He wasn't going to struggle because he didn't know how to clean. He was going to struggle because he didn't know how to function well. He wasn't going to be okay alone. And his aloneness was the problem. And a good woman by a man's side helps a man know, I'm never going to be alone. I've got somebody's got somebody's supporting me and they've got my back and they're covering all my needs and and god himself is with me but he sent me this this perfect woman alongside me you remember i I shared this and it's sort of mind-boggling in the garden of eden when god created adam and put him in the earth adam had god as his helper god was his helper and god said wow He's not gonna be okay by himself. I need to give another helper to him. So I'm gonna create womankind and put her right there beside him. And when when the two of them are together, now God can be glorified. And at the end of that day, God said, "That's good," and it rested, and He rested. So, um, and then thirdly, or fourthly, rather, the wife is to lean and grow with, or learn, not lean, learn and grow with him spiritually. Be his friend and his critic, and his counselor, and his encourager, but learn and grow with him. Um, And then if you added a fifth one in there, it would be the same as the one before, same as the husbands. They're to live with their husbands until he goes to be with the Lord. Um, Those are the challenges that I give these young couples, and it's really just a summary. Um, But I want to go back and emphasize in the husband's role, um, I want to emphasize what it means to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Just so you hear... The concept there, because we we can read over that and say, well, that makes a great thought, but you need to remember how Christ loves His church. By the way, the church isn't the building. Church isn't our thirty-acre property here, um, and all the churches in America and all the churches in the world, in Europe and everywhere else, in Africa. It's, it's not those physical buildings or physical places. The church is the people, the individuals that are sitting in the pews. You are the church. That's the church that He loves. And the Bible says He, while we were yet sinners, while we were sinning against Him, He died on the cross to save us from our sins. The love of Christ is unconditional, and it's sacrificial, and it's passionate, and it's purposeful. And I'm just telling you as husbands, sometimes we, we say, well... You know, and I have lots of husbands sit in my office and say this, and I understand the emotion of it. It's just stupid, okay? And we, we tend to be stupid ladies, so you know how that works. But we'll sit there and say, well, I would love her if she would, blah, 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 blah. we got this great list out there. If I could love her better if, if she would. And there's this list of things she should do on behalf of the house or the home or the children or me or whatever. There's this beautiful list they lay out. And I get that, but that's not how Christ loves me. He never says, you know, Stan, I would just love you if you would just stop being so stupid some days and do dumb things. Like leave your truck unlocked at Walmart. That was dumb, you know, <laughs> because then all your tools got stolen. So, you know, God, God says, I love you in spite of all of that. I'll love you no matter how bad you mess up no matter how many mistakes you make, no matter how many times you sin against me, I will never stop loving you. It's an unconditional love. You understand how much God loves us? And then God says to us as men, now, the way I love you, that's the way I want you to love her. And so there's nowhere in... Gentlemen, there's nowhere, and I'm saying to our young men that are longing to one day be married, there's nowhere in a relationship with a with another person, another woman, that you say, I will love you if. If you put an if in that sentence, it's not the love of Christ. It's your love. It's man's love, and it falls way short of what we're called to be. Now, I've had several people leave my office angry. Had somebody hang up on me uh, not too long ago. Um, say, "Well, that's impossible. I'm not going to do that." I mean, you're saying I'm supposed to love no matter what. Yes. <laughs> You know, click, I'm like, oh, okay, he'll call back. But unconditional love is the way that Christ loves us. And it's sacrificial, by the way, gentlemen, it's sacrificial. He sacrificed for us. And I have husbands say, well, you know, when I get home, I'm so tired. I'm so tired, I just can't go another step. I don't believe that. I honestly don't believe when we get home, it, that's when we are so tired we can't do anything else. We need to make sure that home, as husbands, we need to make sure the home is the place where we have the most to give. And I know it's at the end of a day. I have days where the end of the day is a long, hard day. But at the end of the day, when we're with our family and when our family has needs, that's when we're supposed to be doing the biggest job of our lives as husbands. And so, you know, there's this Disney World concept this Hollywood concept that we get of how marriages work. You know, the husband comes home from work and he's so tired and he puts his, you know, lunch bag and his briefcase down he goes over and he sits in the big recliner. He pulls it out and he flips on the big TV that's the size of a wall now and he watches TV and the wife says, How was your day? And, Oh, look what I did for you today. And, Oh, here's your supper, honey. And, you know, the little doggy brings his slippers to him and... and uh you know, and then the dog brings his pa- no, no, we do papers anymore. He brings his iPad to him so he can check his mail, and all. That. You know what I'm saying? That's the picture we get in our head. That is not scriptural at all. You know, God didn't design us to do that. When when I, when you get to the house, you're supposed to, as a husband, you're supposed to say, "All right, now's my chance. After all day of earning money for my family that I love and taking care of the things that we need to take care of, now is my chance to minister." to my wife, to my family, to my home, to be all they need me to be and to support them. It's my opportunity to do that. And if it means I have to stay up late, I'll stay up late. It means I have to, you know, lay, lay in the driveway and change the oil in my daughter's car at midnight, then I'll do that. It's okay. That's what needs to be done. I don't mind doing that. When our kids were all little, my, my wife homeschooled. And so, you know, I'd come home and she'd been with them all day long. You know, and she was like, ah, we have, you know, three in a row. So, you know, she's like, ah, she's going crazy. And so so I would, you know, when I'd come home, she'd be like, please, take the kids. You know, and it was just a deal of we're going to sit on the floor and play Lego so Mama can go to her room and find herself for a little while. She just needs a little time, a little space To collect her thoughts, you know, and she'd go in there and fold little clothes and lay down and read a book or whatever. And it was chance for me. Now I've been, you know, doing work. I've been out working at the church and doing all kinds of things and, you know, come home, cut the yard and all that. But then when I get inside, it's time. Here we go. You know, kids are in the floor. Let's play Legos. Let's build things. Let's, you know, you ride me on like a horse and we'll just do all that. And then I'll change your diapers and I'll give you a bath and I'll put you to bed if mom needs all that. That's sacrificing ourselves sacrificing ourselves. And gentlemen, it's never supposed to be about you at home. There's something in the American culture, the Hollywood culture, Disney and everybody else that's supposed that, that we think when we get home as men, it's supposed to be about us. It's not. It's never supposed to be about us. Christ doesn't even make it about him, by the way. He becomes a servant of mankind and comes to earth and pays for our sins that we couldn't pay for, sacrificially. So I'm saying to the husbands, please, sacrifice. Unconditional, not based on your, her behavior, not based on her actions, not based on her love. Quotient, not based on her looks. Just unconditionally sacrifice yourself for her. And then learn who she is. The Bible says we're to study our wives. And our wives are great study projects. Mine is a phenomenal study project. I'm telling you. I could just write a book about how interesting Annette is. And she's not here to defend herself, so I'm going to be very careful what I say. But but she just has these qualities and you say, Well, you know, I thought when you said this you meant this. And she well I did last year. Well, okay. Now you mean something else. Okay, I'm write that down in my dictionary of a net words, how that works, because it's I'm learning. I'm learning what encourages her and what discourages her and what helps her and what defeats her. And those things that encourage her we bring into the house and those things that discourage her we take out of the relationship in the home. So and then wives, I'm just gonna say to you as we close. You're to love your husband unconditionally through submission, through submission and support, and you're to serve them. The Bible calls us as God's children to serve Him faithfully, serve Him. And that's what women are called to do in their homes to be godly examples. Now, you're mutually submitted to one another, gentlemen. When the Bible says we're the leader, I want to tell you, it's a dumb thing to lead without listening to the support staff. It's a really bad leadership moment. Bible actually says she's smarter most of the time, and you need to ask her for advice and help and listen very carefully. So I'm encouraging you. But ladies, you're supposed to submit to us, to the leaders of your home, as unto God, so that God can teach us how to submit to him. That's, what, that's how it works. God teaches men how to submit when women submit, teaches men how to submit to him. Because we see the example we hear it in your tones or your voices. We hear an unconditional love and an understanding that God's in control and you're not panicked over it even though we're idiots. And we begin to understand there is a greater way to do this. And I can turn to God and trust God. So the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, which I listed earlier, that you, wives can win their husbands without a word. Without a word can win them to Christ. Simply by their submissive, obedient behavior. That's a powerful testimony. I know some women who've done it. It's a long journey, by the way. But I know some women who've done it, and it's a great example for us. All right, that's the relationship series conclusion. And I want to say to all our young people, by the way, who aren't husbands or wives yet, <clears throat> okay, you have the opportunity to to start right. When you get ready to, to uh, meet somebody that may be the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, Look at the scriptures for guidance and help. Let the scriptures guide you in the steps you need. And let the scriptures teach you the principles of communicating and of integrity and of that personal relationship. And especially make sure you find somebody that's grace, that's filled with grace and loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.